Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Wow, it is so good to be back with you. Thank you, everyone, for allowing me to get away from my retreat. So many of you have asked me, how did it go? It was much needed. Thank you. Uh, It was a a good, revealing time for me. Uh, And I did not get lost. Um, And if you're new, you may not know that. Uh, A few years ago, I got lost. Maybe there might be a small book that might be coming out uh, sometime in the near future that will explain that in more detail and uh, do what we used that for in a sermon series a few years ago to talk about the spiritual journey. But I am so grateful uh, for Pastor Kyle and Deidre and everybody who participated to help, the worship team, Lori, uh, everybody who helped to do that. Pastor Kyle set us up beautifully for where we're going over the next few weeks. So thank you, Pastor Kyle. I appreciate that. And, uh, and thank you. Happy late Mother's Day. I, I did have a couple of questions on... Uh, Why'd you choose to go on retreat during Mother's Day? Uh, that seems kind of strange. Normally, our uh, Mother's Day coincides with the weekend of our anniversary. Our anniversary was of uh, tw- uh, 27 years was on Friday. Yes, that woman said yes to me 27 years ago. And so normally those two coincide. So when I was making my retreat, I looked for my anniversary, said I'm not going to be gone that weekend. And whoops, this is one of those years it's way before our anniversary, and my place that I, I book, you have to book it four months in advance. So I uh, begged Lori and my mom, and, and we decided we would do that, and we'll just celebrate Mother's Day later. So thank you, everyone, for letting me get away. As we jump into today, you saw that the series title is Reset. And so uh, we're going to be looking at this as we come to the close of our church calendar year, which our church calendar year runs from June to the end of May. And so we're coming up on that. And we've got some exciting things coming up. But how many of you know that the definition from Merriam-Webster's dictionary for reset is defined as this, to set again or to set anew. So to set again or anew. This is what it means to reset. Now, normally when I was thinking about reset, I thought about this. How many of you hate to get this on your computer screen? If you're a Windows user, it's like every other day, isn't it? And there's 20 minutes or 40 minutes or an hour of updates. Now, if you're a Mac user, you don't get out of the woods. You get the spinning pinwheel of death. And then you know you have to reset. You have to either go back so that the program functions in the way it was originally supposed to. Sometimes it is a going back. That's the set again. And sometimes it requires an update. That's the set anew. So when you reset, it could be one or the other. And the truth is, and you know this, that resetting is not just for computers. Sometimes in our relationships, they need a reset, don't they? That doesn't mean you scrap and get a new person. 
It means that you need to maybe reset and set up the things that you did in the past that were successful or anew. Maybe some new things that come into play that will help the relationship. Organizations can do this. They might still sell shoes or computers or whatever. But they realize something is off. They seem to be spinning. That wheel just seems to be going around and there's no motion happening. And so they look and they say, oh, we need to get back to some of these principles. Or there might be some new principles that we need to get into. Well, churches are no exception. Churches occasionally need a reset as well. And it's not that we're scrapping all the old. In fact, we want to hold on to that original programming. We want to look at at what the Bible tells us and, and what Jesus' teachings are and hear the story of the good news. And yet, we also need to realize that the way people hear it may need to be made anew. So that there can be some new ways that we implement the old programming so that we begin to see it move out into our worlds. Are you with me? Now, this isn't new. I've been your pastor now for almost 14 years, and we've done that. And I think that now is another time for a reset, to set again those things from the past and those things that we hold true to be true and maybe in a new way to begin to present them and to get into those things and so we're going to be looking at this i remember uh back in 2010 i had only been your pastor for a couple years we started we started looking and this was our our motto Love, learn, live. Remember, you remember the big blue things we had on the sides of the wall? It said love, learn, live. And we were talking about we were going to be a worshiping community. That was the love piece. Uh, we we're going to be a learning community about God and about our neighborhood. That was that education piece. And then live. We were going to go out and live like Jesus lived. We were going to go out and serve. And so we had worship and education and service. And that was our motto. And then just a few years ago in 2018, We moved to this understanding. We reset. And we said we want to be disciples of Jesus who are making disciples of Jesus. I think that's not bad. That's good. It's a reset. It's pulling some of the old and and looking at some of the new. But as I was away on retreat, I began to think about sometimes that word disciple gets a little muddy. Maybe a little churchy. And so we want to look at this, and I think this is where we're going to hold to the old and maybe add an update and move into a renewal, a reset here in 2022. And so we're going to look at building a mission statement over the next few weeks together. So I want to give this to you in advance because I want you to get your calendars out and make sure you prioritize being a part of this. Or if you can't be here, making sure that you watch online or you watch sometime the, the replay later on in the week so that we're all on board for this reset together. So today we'll be looking at the first part of the mission statement, next week the second part, and the following week the third then we'll have that june 5th celebration of the 10 goals that we've asked god to bless and stretch us and push us in over these last four years and who doesn't love to celebrate with nachos yes thank you you're welcome i said nachos has to be on the table and then june 12th we'll be looking at what's coming next 
And so you're going to want to be here over these next five weeks. It's going to be an exciting time in our church, and I'm looking forward to it. So, mission statements. Today, we're going to be looking at part one of three. And this first phrase, all three of these phrases seem like they could stand on their own almost. But when you put them together, it forms something that I think is going to reset Cross Community Church for the next years to come. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of this. And I want you to know that I need this too. Pastors need a reset. And as we move into this, and as we look at specifically this scripture today, there's part of me that almost hates the platform. Not that it's a terrible thing. But it sometimes creates this barrier between where it feels like I'm up here and I've got everything figured out and you are all down there and you need to hear what I have to say so that you can figure it all out and then we can all get on the same page. And I really, I really wanted to do this and I just couldn't figure out how to do it. I I almost recorded the sermon so that I could go sit down there and just physically say, I need to hear this sermon today because pastors need resets too. I'm a part of the church, of cross-community church. I am not the cross-community church. Is that okay to say? As we get into this, I, I want you to hear that from me. So grab your Bibles, however you get them, book form, app form, and open them to the Gospel of Matthew. Now, I need to do some introduction before we even get to our passage today. Because this is a tough passage that we're going to look at today. And so I need you to understand some things about parables. Now, parables were a very common way of teaching. Jesus did not invent them. The rabbis of his day would use parables. And parables were stories that told something, but in a way that if you weren't really listening or listening intently, you might miss it. Or it might be that a few days later the penny would drop and you're like, aha, oh, he was talking about me. And you might be upset or you might, or you might be glad or, or it might bring you great joy or wisdom. So we need to understand that about parables, that they're stories, and and we're story people, and we need to hear stories, and sometimes we learn best through stories. And so I want us to look at these parables, because Jesus' parables tend to fall into three types, and so I want us to look at these three types really quickly. The first type of parable that Jesus uses is a parable that describes the surprising nature of the kingdom. The kingdom of God that he is talking about and and ushering in. One of those might be found in Matthew 13, 31, uh, the parable of the mustard seed. He says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's one of the smallest of seeds, but you put it in the ground and it grows a gigantic bush and all the birds of the air come and nest in it. It's surprising in that it starts small, but it grows big. And then the even more surprising part is that it gathers the birds into it. Now you and I think, oh, isn't that so beautiful? When I'm down there at the at the retreat center, I can eat breakfast every morning, and they have bird feeders out there. Oh, look at the cardinal! Oh, the, you know, there's look at that blue jay is so mean. Look at what he's doing. We just love that. But in Jesus' day and age, 
birds were ritually unpure, impure, and you didn't want to touch them, and you didn't want to be around them, you avoided them, because they drop things when they're flying, and it hits you. And then you have to do some things, in order, so you don't like birds. And so Jesus uses this surprising parable to talk about, yes, it comes in a surprising way, it starts out small, it grows a huge, huge bush, but then unclean things are gathered into it. Oh, strange, these parables. That's the first type. So the surprising nature of the kingdom. Next is the, is the kind of parable where there's a surprising reversal of values. So probably one of the more famous one is the parable of the lost sheep that's told in Matthew 18, 10 through 14. Where Jesus says, how many of you having a hundred sheep, if one of them is, is lost, leaves the 99 in the wilderness and goes and seeks for the one who is lost? The answer is none of you. In, in the values of that day and age, I've got 99 sheep here and that's good. I'm sorry I lost one. I'm sorry he didn't make it or she didn't make it, but I got 99. If I leave, though, what's going to happen to all these 99? They might wander off. But Jesus says the surprising nature of the kingdom that he's talking about that's surprising in the ways that it comes is that its values are different and that that one who is lost is valuable and worth going for and worth seeking out and bringing in. That's important. That's the second type of parable. The third type, and that's the type we'll look at today, is the parable of decision or crisis. Where there's usually an authority figure who is away or, or coming soon and presents something where a decision has to be made, to be alert, to be aware. And we see a bunch of them before we get to our parable. There's the, the parable of the, the people who were burning their wicks for themselves to keep light right around them. And then when the bridegroom that they've been waiting for is, is coming in, their lamps are empty and, oh, we got to go find something. We spend it all on ourselves. Or the, the parable of the talents and, and the, the, the one who is, is given uh, some according to ability. So he understands each person, what he gives to them. And one just buries it in the ground and says, I knew you were such a cruel man. And he comes and he, he says, no, no, you, you could have at least put it in the bank and, and give me some, this crisis, there's a crisis, there's a decision that you have to wrestle with within the parable. And our parable today is going to be a combination of the second one about the surprising values, the upside down values of the kingdom, along with a crisis and a decision that needs to be made. And so let's look at this together. Matt, it's going to be in Matthew. I need, I need a little more setup. Are you still with me? Go like this. Left hand up. Right hand up. Okay, you're with me. Good. All right. I know some of you had right and left wrong. That's okay. Matthew's gospel is the gospel to the religious. In that day and age, the religious that, they, that, he, that Matthew was writing to were her, his fellow Jews. Most scholars believe that the gospel was written after the Jewish believers in Christ had been pushed out of the synagogue by the Jewish people. And this was written as a response to them. 
It is the most Jewish of the Gospels. It opens with a genealogy connecting Jesus to both King David, the king in the hearts of Jews, all the way back to Abraham, the father. It connects him to Moses. And just like Moses uh, is responsible for the first five books of the Bible, there are five different teachings that Jesus does throughout the gospel. The whole gospel is beautifully narrated and crafted to try to grab the hearts of religious people, and specifically religious Jews. Because I don't know if you know this about religious people, but religious people can often become very rigid. I know, I know. That's a surprise to you. But Matthew is writing this gospel to his fellow Jews who have become so entrenched and so rigid in their thinking that they have actually pushed their brothers and sisters, they have actually pushed out, they have actually, he will tell in the story, killed the Messiah that they have been longing for for millennia. And he's trying to get their attention. So Jesus, in this parable that we will look at today, I know, we're going to get there. This is probably the latest into a sermon I've ever read the scripture. Jesus uses the language of rejection in order to reset them, in order to wake them up, in order to grab their attention, in order to get them to understand what the kingdom is all about, what they have been invited to from the very beginning. They've missed in their religious rigidity, and he's using the language of rejection in order to reset them, to wake them up, to get them back online. And so we need to look at this today. So, finally, you're saying, open your Bibles to the Gospel according to Matthew 25. We're going to begin at verse 31. And because this is the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you are able, I would invite you to stand in honor and reverence to the Gospel. Hear the word of the Lord. This is Jesus speaking. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. And He will put the sheep on His right hand and the goats at the left. Then the King will say to those at His right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it? That we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink. And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king answered them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left hand, 
You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then he will also, they will also answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? And he answers them, truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. It's the word of God for the people of God. And our response is, thanks be to God and ouch. You may be seated. Now remember... This is a parable. We've set this up. We're understanding what kind of parable this is. So I want us to understand where this parable falls in the whole story of the gospel because it allows it to say something to us today. Jesus has been announcing the kingdom. We've already heard how Matthew was trying to get them to understand Jesus as the Jewish Messiah, the son of David from the line of Abraham, and now the Messiah who has come, the new Moses who is bringing the the teaching to them. And Jesus has been announcing the kingdom, and from chapters 8 through 10, he begins to enact the kingdom. He not only visits the sick, he heals them. That mustard seed that grows begins to incorporate. He begins to heal a Roman centurion's daughter. He heals a Syrophoenician woman's daughter. He begins to enact this kingdom, setting people free, showing that the heart and values of this kingdom are for hurting people. And he's about to hand off this ministry of kingdom announcement to his disciples. Our parable falls right before we move into the story of Holy Week. And that last supper where he's going to hand this off to his disciples. And the truth is, and most scholars look at and interpret this scripture by saying that as they go out and do this, they may become hungry and thirsty and go into foreign lands. They may be prisoners, etc. And so it is a telling... This parable is telling the religious leaders, those rigid religious leaders who are already rejecting Jesus... He's saying to them, how you treat them as they go out announcing the kingdom is how you are treating me. You're like, whew, isn't that great? He's saying this is their crisis. This is their time of decision. That's our type three parable. They have to make a decision at this point. And he's put it there plain and simple. And they decide, if we were to read on just a little bit into chapter 26, verses 3 and 4, they decide to kill Jesus. That's their decision. And you and I are going, whew, I'm so glad. Boy, this is about them, not about me. It's like when you're driving and there's a police officer behind you and, and you're kind of checking this and the lights come on and you're like, oh no. And then he zips around you and gets the guy in front of you. That's how you're feeling right now, isn't it? Well, wait a second. I know this might be hard for us to hear today. 
But after 2,000 years, believe it or not, we Christians can become religiously rigid. We may think we have all the answers. We may think we believe the right things. And I even give an hour of my weekend to sit and listen to some dude talk about Jesus. I mean, some of you are so holy, you even come to a small group before. And we think and we rest and we we set in that, and yet we're still in need of a reset. We need a shocking reset. And so this parable, although yes, it was for those religious leaders of that time back then, it is also for us who have become religiously rigid today. We need to hear this reset today. We need to know that we are called to see Jesus in those who are vulnerable. And those who are in need. Therefore, the first part of our mission statement, our reset of our mission statement, is that Cross Community Church is committed to helping people. We're committed to actually helping people. Now, we're going to look over the next few weeks in the many ways that we are going to help people. The list that we are given today is not the extensive, exhaustive list. But friends, for us to truly reset, be reset, shocked into reset for the kingdom, we are called to be committed to see Jesus in the vulnerable, and therefore we are a community committed to helping people. And let me say a few things, because this is not about politics. This is about people. People that Jesus loved. People where he would say in the Gospel of Luke, I came to seek and to save lost people and to give my life to see them set free. That's the church's responsibility. To announce that, to declare that, and to see Jesus from this parable today, to be shocked into seeing the value of vulnerable people, and today to be shocked that we are called to make a decision on whether or not we will join in this surprising kingdom that seeks to live so fully into helping people that they don't even realize they've been doing it. That it becomes like breathing. Very few of us think about breathing until you can't. And this is where we are called. This is the shocking reset. But it's not about politics. In fact, I would say politics has hijacked this. This is about people. And the kingdom of God has always been for and about helping people. And all the examples that Jesus gives, or the King, the Son of Man, gives, are about vulnerable people. The hungry, the thirsty, that one, we, we kind of know that. See, when people are hungry, it breaks your heart. The foreigner, I know in our scriptures it says stranger, but the Greek word actually means foreigner. 
If you've ever gone into another country where you don't speak the language and you don't understand the customs, you understand that's a very vulnerable place. And Jesus says, when you see them, this is so brilliant of Matthew and the way he, he writes this. He says, when you see the foreigner who has come in, you are to gather them. I know it says welcome them, but the, the actual Greek word is to gather them. And that Greek word is actually synagogue. <laughs> Sounds like what word? Synagogue. I was a foreigner and you're synagogued me. You brought me into your gathering. I was naked. I, I love the, the way the, the language helps us understand this. It, the word for naked means I was ill-clothed. It doesn't mean I didn't have any clothes on. It just meant I wasn't prepared for the weather. My clothes don't match up to what I need to survive in the day. And the word that is used to you clothed me literally means you wrapped around me. Can you just imagine if, you, if you've ever been cold? I know, I know we had summer this last week. But it was just like three weeks ago that there was snow on the ground. You remember when you're cold and you're hot and finally somebody just grabs a blanket and throws it around you? That's, that's the, the understanding of this word. That Jesus says when you see vulnerable people, the hungry, the thirsty, the foreigner, the, the ill-clothed, the sick, and in prison, you visit them, you help them, you throw something around them, you welcome them, you gather them into your gathering, you feed them, you give them what they need. Again, I want to say, this is not about social activism. This is about seeing Jesus in vulnerable people and saying we're committed to being a community that helps people. Because that's what Jesus came to do. And Jesus, in this parable particularly, uses heaven and hell language to show us the kingdom value of helping people. That this is important. This is life and death. And it's not the life and death of the vulnerable people. It's the life and death of the heart of the people who are called to follow after Jesus, who came to set people free. It's our hearts that need reset. It's our hearts that need shocking. It's my heart that needs reset. It is my heart that needs to hear the shocking thing so that I can begin to see again and see in every person that I come in contact with that they are Jesus with different faces. And I am called to be a part of a community that seeks to help people. This is important. Maybe you need to think of it as not just a reset, but a very important reset. That this is like a defibrillator. When your heart has stopped, I'm sure that if you were conscious while that was going on, that would really hurt. I mean, you just see the thing that happens, right? At least that's how it happens on TV. But Jesus uses this parable, this graphic and shocking parable to, are we going to be reset? It resets our heart. It resets the rhythm so that we can begin to see and live into the kingdom that he died for us to be a part of. This is the heart 
It's meant to reset us. It's meant to get us looking and seeing Him outside of these walls in every person that He calls us to. So my friends, the first part of our mission statement will be Cross Community Church is committed to, say it with me, one, two, three, helping people. Now, I don't want you to hear, I don't want you to go into all or nothing thinking. Like I'm standing up here thinking, oh, you guys just don't help anybody. That's not true. You know that not to be true. There were ten of you, ten of us, that went to Alma Church of the Nazarene yesterday, a little tiny place, like two hours away. And we helped them because last summer, they just got this idea in July to plant a community garden. That's not a good time to start your garden. But I was talking with their pastor. And because of COVID and because of all the things, the church had shrunk down to about 20 people. And he said last summer, that garden that we planted in July, we were able to give out 15 baskets of vegetables to the people around us in our community. And our church has now almost doubled he said, you know what they, you know what they said? They said, we didn't even know that this was still a functioning church. But because we saw them and we just decided to put a few seeds in the ground and see what comes up in the last months of summer, we were able to give and they were able to receive and now they are coming to be a part. It starts small like a mustard seed. It grows, but it gathers people in. This is the kingdom. And so we went up. This year they're getting started early. And I'm telling you, it's, it's going to be huge. And if they got that in July, they are going to be overflowing. And their sole desire is to feed the people around them. And we got to be a part of that. A couple years ago, we adopted a Rwandan refugee family here. I don't know if you saw the announcement this week that because part of what we've done to, to help and encourage them, some of them are able to get their green card now. That's welcoming. That's, that's synagogue. That's gathering. That's welcoming. There's a lot that we're doing. But I want us to be reset. And for some of us, it, it may be the defibrillator shock of Jesus' words that reset us to understanding that our mission is helping people. Are you with me? Are you with me? Don't go into the whataboutisms. Well, what about them? What about this? What about this situation? What about that? No, no, we leave that to God. It's about seeing people and seeing them as Jesus. Not just seeing them as Jesus sees them, but seeing them as Jesus. And if that hasn't become the way I breathe, it just happens so naturally that I don't even think about it, that I'm shocked when Jesus even mentions it at the end of all things, then I know there's more work to be done. And so we pray, God, reset us, refocus us, shock my heart into being able to see you and vulnerable people. So folks, this is the first part. And I just wanted to be right up front. I didn't want to hide this at the very end of the mission statement. I wanted to put it right at the beginning. 
Because our world is waiting. And they're not waiting to hear a sermon or what you believe, although those are important things. We'll get into those in, in, the, in the next weeks. They're not looking to see what activities you have. They're not looking for programs. What they're looking for is help by someone who sees their vulnerability and sees them and treats them as Jesus with a different face on. And if we're going to be a part of the kingdom, you and I need to be reset in order to go and serve those whom he's calling us to. I don't have anything else to say today. I'm sure you're glad. But I do feel like before we close and before I bless you and and before we get into our meeting where we'll vote and all that kind of stuff, that maybe some of us have felt the shock today. And we're, we're waking up and our mind is racing and we're wondering what's going to go on and what this means for us and what for, this means for me as a part of this church. And I just want to say, it means you're alive and the Spirit is working in you right now. And maybe right now is the time that we need to pray and to recommit to say this is the way we're moving forward. And with God's help and God's shock, our hearts will be reset to follow after him. You online can do this too. And so as you're seated, right where you are right now, if you today are saying, I've been shocked, and I've heard, and I'm making a decision right now today to be a part of a community that is focused on helping people then without any music playing or anything, I'm going to invite you to stand right now. If you're, I'm I'm going to be a part of this. I'm going to see this happen. I want to be a part of a community that is focused on helping people, on seeing Jesus in the vulnerable. If that's you, will you stand right where you are? And look around. It's okay. Look around. We're not going to do this alone. Amen? We do this as a community together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this shocking message. Thank you for waking us up as a community and we pray that we will continue to allow you to reset our hearts so that we might see those who are hungry and thirsty, who are foreigners, who are ill-clothed, who are sick or, yes, even in prison and need to be shown that they are loved. Keep helping us to reset until this becomes like breathing. For we need it. And our world is waiting. So send your spirit to fill us and empower us to see each person as you with a different face. For we pray and we ask these things in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Would you receive this blessing? And now...
May you, my brothers and sisters, realize that the shock of reset is a good thing. May you leave this place with new eyes. And may every person you see remind you of the one who has called you. I pray that you will lean in to where the Spirit is leading us. And that together we will see many people helped. And in the helping, be set free by the one who is leading us to them. I pray this in the name of the Father who is for us, in the name of the Son who is with us, in the name of the Spirit who is in us. One God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I'm going to say, go in peace. But if you're a member, I'm going to say, stay in peace, because we have to vote. If you're joining us from online, thank you for being here. Go in His name. Go and help people. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website.